0: hello good day to you this is Pastor Christopher alam I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus and uh, yesterday I was talking about healing for uh, I that, that was the last thing I shared I talked about healing for the unbelievers which is in the context of the gospel uh, signs following the gospel message and then now I'm going to talk about healing for the believer we ran out of time but you know uh, but i want to explain this to you and explain the difference to you but but first of all let me share another little testimony a story um, this is from um, you know a, a crusade i did in argentina and i never forget this one night uh we had like i mean thousands tens of thousands of people on the field and uh uh, and 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 one night they were, you know, the power of God came, and I've never seen that anywhere before. And so they were just like all these blind people. I don't think I've ever had so many blind people in a meeting. And the power of God came, and God began to open blind eyes. And uh, and I said, how many people received their sight? And people put their hands up. And I say, if you if you go blind and can see, you know, people they have, I began to count. And there were like 78 people and uh, uh, 78 people i counted and some were blind in one eye you know that kind of thing but then there was this this and i said 78 praise god and then suddenly the crowd began to scream on one side as god yet opened the eyes of a child that was completely born blind and you should have seen they brought that little child to me and i held that little child it was a thrilling moment i held that little child and i it was just wonderful to see uh what you know what the lord had done and that that was a powerful crusade that was my first time in argentina in 1986 and we saw so many miracles i mean demon possessed people being delivered and lame people walking blind eyes opening deaf ears hearing just amazing, amazing. And there was this uh, one little girl, she had polio. Pretty, very pretty, beautiful girl. But she was born and then she had polio when she was a baby. So I think it was this one leg that was, uh, I think like eight inches shorter than the other. And she used to, you know, one shoe had a sole, this thick, and she used to limp. And then uh, she was in the crowd and her leg grew out. Nobody, you know, and she came up and she was jumping wonderful, beautiful. And then there was this other girl. She also had some physical, some bad physical handicap because of which she couldn't walk. And uh, and God healed her. Just these wonderful things happened. Well, um, about, I think, uh, 86. I said, I think 18 years later, I was back. And, and this last crippled girl I'm talking about couldn't walk. I think she was like, 15 or 16. Well, I was back 18 years later. And this very beautiful, lovely lady in her early 40s, she came up to me. She said, I said, Christopher, do you remember me? I said, no. She says, I was crippled and, and couldn't walk. And uh, my parents brought me to your crusade. I was 15 years old. And uh, Jesus healed me. And now I'm married. And I have it. To have children, and here's my son, 18 years old. I said, "Oh, how nice! This is wonderful." And she said, "We named him after you." I said, "Really?" She said, "His name is Alam. Uh, she didn't call him Christopher because many people uh, in Latin America they think Alam is my first name and Christopher is my second name. It's a bit comical, but..." She said, we call him Alam. So Alam and Alam, we had a picture taken. It was wonderful. So, you know, the, the, these are the rewards of the ministry. When you, these are the greatest rewards of the ministry. And these things are priceless. They're worth more than money. When you see things like this, a crippled woman and, uh, you know, paralyzed or lame or whatever was wrong with her. Couldn't walk and God heals her and she's whole and she's completely whole. She then she... Later on in life, she gets married, has a family, has a home, has a children, has a husband. Then you meet these people and they're totally normal. And I've seen it again and again. I tell you, those are the things that make life worth living. When we minister to people and God touches people's lives. Praise the Lord. So anyway, so we talked about, uh, Let me let me recap this for you a little bit. Uh, that healing for the believe unbelievers, it's in the context of the gospel, going to all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow you. Then you lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, are the miracles we see in our crusades that they're that kind of miracles? There are unbelievers who come, and 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 those miracles are a sign for them, and and they get healed. And and miracles, basically, those miracles. Uh, 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 There are several reasons for them. The first is that they prove to people that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That's the greatest thing, uh, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that he's alive today, because only a living Jesus can do the same things that he did in the days of the Bible. A dead Jesus cannot do those things. So uh, the second thing they prove is that not only is Jesus alive, but he's here. He is in our midst because he is right here and is here to touch you. And if he touches you and heals you, surely he can save you and change your life. You know, that's the second thing. And the third thing is it shows the compassion of God for people who are suffering. It shows the mercy, the love, the father heart of God. And I love to see that. So that's healing for the unbeliever. In fact, unbelievers are very easy to pray for. Uh, when It's a wonderful thing when you go to someone, you know, when we used to uh, back in Sweden, I had some friends and we just took our own initiative. Uh, we weren't sent. Well, you know, we just did it out of our church. The church wasn't interested in evangelism, but we were. We went from house to house and it was amazing. The kind of people, you know, they, they would invite us, let us in. And there were people who had alcohol problems and social problems. and. People, they were with broken marriages and hurts. And, and we'd sit and share Jesus with them. And uh, I, would, I said, is any of you sick? Oh, yeah, please pray for me. And there was no baggage. There was none of this religious stuff. Oh, do you think God wants to heal me? There was none of this. You, you just laid hands on them and people were healed. It is the easiest thing in the world to pray for unbelievers when you have witnessed to them. Believe me. Is the easiest thing in the world. Now, many many people, they say to me, well, I want to be used by God. Yes, and God will use you, but you're making one mistake why God isn't using you. You want God to use you in the church. The church is not your place of ministry. That's your pastor's place of ministry. That's his platform, his pulpit. And then there are other ministers and there's elders, there's leadership in the church. That's their platform. Your platform, your pulpit is on the streets where the sinners are. If you are a believer, an ordinary believer in the church and you think you you have a healing gift and your pastor should give you the pulpit so you can preach and, and you know, and sh- you, listen, you're barking up the wrong tree. That's not your place of ministry. You are a believer. Your place of ministry is in people's homes, on the streets where you know your people, where you, your friends, your relatives who are unsaved, that is your pulpit. Believe me, that is why God has anointed you. And that is where you'll see the greatest number of miracles. And you should go out there and minister to those people. And when, once you begin to do that, you go to your friends' homes and, and say, listen, is anyone sick here? Let me pray for you. You will be astonished because that is when you'll find out how anointed you really are and how much the father will really use you. So believe me, that is is why you don't see many, many miracles in your life because you are trying to usurp your pastor's pulpit. Leave your pastor alone. Say, Pastor, this is your platform, your pulpit. You preach here. I'll be preaching out there. You go out to where the people are, where the sinners are. And believe me, That's you'll find out the full effect of the power of God that the Father has deposited in your life. Amen. So that's healing for the unbeliever. Now, healing for the believer. Healing for the believer, people have, you know, is that people have to understand that divine healing is a covenant right. In the old covenant, God said, I'm Yahweh Rapha." I'm Yahweh Rapha, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. And the new covenant is a better covenant. In the old covenant we had all those Yahweh names, Yahweh Rapha, Yahweh Sidkenu, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Ra and all that. But in the New Testament we don't have all those Yahweh names. We have only one name, and that is the name of Jesus which is the name above every name and at that name everything, every knee has to bow of things in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue has to confess that jesus christ is lord so that is the name that is above every name and that name has everything there is healing there's life there's restoration there's righteousness everything you need so people you see that's why i like to teach people when i that it's your covenant right Healing is not just a privilege, it is a right that you have to claim. Why is it not just a privilege, but a right? Because Jesus paid for it and bought it for you and to provide it for you upon the cross at Calvary. Anything that he died to purchase for you and me, it is our covenant right and not just a privilege. That's the first thing. The second thing people have to learn that divine healing is the doorway to living in divine health. Because once people learn the scriptures and we teach them the scriptures, they'll understand that it's not just that I get sick and God heals me, but we can live in divine health. This is something we have to teach people that we minister to. The third thing is, I've written this down, believers have to be taught in depth the truths of divine healing in the atonement. From the Word of God. Not doing so will cause them to miss out on the healing that Jesus Christ has purchased for them with his own blood at Calvary. So, because of the price that Jesus paid for our salvation and for our physical healing, it is is an imperative that we teach believers what Jesus has purchased for them at the cross and what it costs him to make it available for us. That is not something that we can lessen or cheapen by not talking about or saying, well, this is not as important. It is important. Physical divine healing is very, very important. Not because we can't compare it. So, well, salvation of the spirit is eternal, but physical healing is of the body is not important. No, it's important lies in not its in its eternal or temporal value. Its its importance lies in the fact that Jesus paid such a terrible price to obtain it for us. In fact, he paid the same price for our physical healing that he did for our salvation, forgiveness of sins, and he did it in the same place at the same time. So that is why healing and salvation go hand in hand. We cannot preach one without the other. So that's why we have to teach these truths to believers. We have to teach in depth, the truths of divine healing and the atonement. We have to teach them the atonement, what Jesus did for them on the cross and healing in the context of the atonement. Otherwise they'll miss it. Okay. Now the next point i am written down, when I pray for people, this is what I do because I believe this is what Jesus did. Um, I pray for people if they ask me to. Because if you notice in the New Testament, Jesus prayed for people if they asked him to or whether or if the Father instructed him. That is like remember when he came to the pool of Bethesda and there was this man who was lame since birth and and this man didn't ask Jesus but Jesus said, do you want to be healed? You know, Uh, I mean that was and then later on, this was in John, the fifth chapter, when the the Jews asked him, he said, well, the son can only do what he sees his father do, because the father loves the son and shows him all things. So obviously the father had shown Jesus, go to the pool of Bethesda and heal that one man. And Jesus healed him and then mission accomplished. He came out. So uh, we, you know, we, we, we have to keep that in mind. So I pray for people only if they ask me or second. If the Father tells me, so when people ask me to, then now then I check where they are in faith, then I build up faith by the work, by the word, and then pray. Now, this is ideal in pastoral type situation. Now I'm not saying I'm anyone's pastor, but pastoral type situation, I mean when I'm in a situation and I really get to talk to people uh, it, it's very hard when I'm preaching in a church, I'm a guest speaker. I'm doing one or two services and the second service, all these people come, scores of people. I pray for them. I can maybe spend a minute with each one, half a minute with each one. Even that can take a couple of hours and I, and I leave. Now that is, that is uh, different, but uh, to a pastoral type situation, like for example, here in Lancaster, a family approached me. And they said, can you please pray for our son? Uh, he he's totally, his mind is completely messed up. And so I took time with that boy. I went, took him out to lunch the first day. Then I spent a lot of time with him, encouraging, teaching him, praying for him. And he, he, was, he was basically on the verge of insanity. He was, he, was, he was crazy. But over time, I saw the Lord change him. Uh, through the prayer and the ongoing thing until he got married and today has a family. So, you know, uh, there's a pastoral type situation and that's more like uh, you minister to people where you live. Now, pastoral type, mind you, I'm not saying you are their pastor, but what I'm saying is that to be pastoral in that situation means to have an ongoing uh, connection with people. But I'm also very careful because uh, sometimes people in my home church, ask me, can you come to my house and pray for me? And I tell them, please speak to the pastors in the church because when I'm at home, I'm just a church member and I will never put myself, elevate myself above the pastors of the church. Go to the church, talk to the pastors. They will have someone pray for you. And if you want me to be present you can ask them, can Pastor Christopher Allen be present, and they normally ask me to come and I'll come along. And when I go there, I always let this pastor from the church or whoever it is, take the lead and I back them up. It's, it's very important that we work that way. Or if someone comes to me, if he's not from my church, I ask him, who's your pastor? And they'll say, oh, pastor, so-and-so. I say, well, have you talked to your pastor about this problem? And uh, if they'll say yes, but he says he doesn't believe in healing, then I'll deal with them. But if they say, yeah, my pastor is trying to help me, then I say, okay, talk to your pastor to help me, help you, and then ask him if it's okay if I help you. You know, you you have to follow, you have to honor uh, the anointing and the office that people stand in. And so, you know, you, you don't try to go past spiritual authority in churches and do your ministry. You don't do that. So when I say pastoral, type ministry, that means you can have an ongoing uh, kind of teaching situation, but do it in, in, you know, in the right way under the authority of the, of the, of that person's pastor. And so uh, you, you do that. And that is ideal because then I can find out, then I have time with people. I can find out, okay, where are you in faith? What do you believe? Where do you stand? Then I have time to, I can meet with them over several days and teach them and teach them and bring them to a place where they're ready to receive. Then I minister to them. And it's very really easy that way because sometimes people come to me for prayer and that prayer is tied to other complex problems, that that disease or whatever it is, is tied to other complex situations. And then I say, okay, let me talk to your pastor and I say, pastor, this, you know, I and I tell them that this situation that you're in, this healing that you need, I can pray for you, but it's real full solution is connected to this. And for this, you need to spend time with your pastor. And so you have to be careful. the ideal situation is when people ask me to pray for them, I check where they are in faith, I find out, and then I build faith up by the word. And the only way you can build people's faith up is teaching the word of God so that they begin to see things, they begin to get an understanding of what the word of God teaches. Then they're in a good place. Because now, now then you've got to note that everybody is at a different level of faith, different place of faith. I don't want to say level, different place of faith and different areas of life. For example, when I say check on people's faith, for example, uh, you know, when I say different kinds of faith for different areas of life. So you got finances. okay? so you can have one person, he has very strong faith for finances because that's what he has been taught, but he's weak in faith for healing. Another person has is is strong faith for winning souls, or another person can have strong faith in getting people baptized with the Holy Spirit. And and then you can have a guy who's strong in getting people healed, but he's he's not really strong in believing God for finances because it's how they have developed their faith. There are many different facets and areas of life, and we as Christians should try to build up our own faith in every area of life, you know, and everything that pertains to us. So what happens is that you have to remember that, that uh, just because uh, somebody you know is very good at winning souls and he has strong faith, you know, he can believe God. That doesn't mean that he has strong faith for healing. It doesn't mean that. Don't assume that just because he's strong in one area of faith that by default, he's strong in other areas doesn't work that way. So, you know, so when I'm talking, I'm talking now about ministering to people. And you are in this pastoral situation, you get to talk to people, you can help them, encourage them, you can build them up. So you find out where they're in faith. And then another thing that comes in there, especially if it's people it's, who are sick. Now, some people, they have total faith that, you know, that I, I tell them to be honest with me. They say, Pastor, I believe God told me, if you lay your hands on me, I'll be healed. Or, you know, or sometimes they say, Pastor, can you pray for me? Uh, The doctor told me I need this surgery. It's a difficult surgery. I'm going for the surgery. But uh, I want you to pray for me that God will guide the doctor's hand and that God will use the doctor and, 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 and I will recover. It will be a good surgery. And I say, if that's what God has put in your heart, if that's where your faith is, I will pray for that. There's nothing wrong with that, believe me, because everybody is at a different place. Some people have have faith that is uh, totally by the hand of God with no involvement of doctors. Other people are at a place where it's a combination of God working, guiding the hands of the surgeon. That's great. That's I'm okay with that because, I mean... look at medical science. It's a skill. I don't think the devil created medical science. I think it's something given by God. And so, I mean, you know, you look at where people are at and you join with them there. So I've had many people I've prayed for who have come to me and say, Pastor, you lay hands on me. I believe I'll be healed and they get healed. Then there are other people who say, Pastor, I'm going in for the surgery. Please pray for me. I say, I'll pray for you. That's great. Thank you for coming to me. And I'll pray with them. I'll agree with them that God will guide the hands of the doctors and they'll be okay. And that has also worked. So remember that you 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 find people where they are in faith and you pray with them. Okay. Then the second thing is I pray. As I said, first, first thing, I pray if people ask me to. The second thing, I pray if the Holy Ghost instructs me specifically. And that is if people... Uh, uh, You know, if the Holy Ghost tells me, pray for this person, I will do that. Sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit tells me to pray and sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit tells me not to pray. Let me give you an example. Many years in Sweden, I was preaching in a, uh, it was like a camp and uh, we had meetings, like five, six days or four days, something like that. When we were heating, I was teaching in the morning, preaching in the evening. There were all these, you know, people there. And one night, uh, there was this lady who came for prayer. And she said, please pray for me. She had difficulties walking. She, was, uh, she had arthritis, you know, difficulties walking. And, uh, and she said, please pray for me. So as I put my hand out and God said, don't pray for you. Don't pray for her. I said, oh. I said, lady, the Lord won't let me pray for you. She got belligerent. She said, no, you pray for me. And uh, I tried to put my hand out. It was this time it was like a physical hand grabbed me. And the Lord said, I told you not pray for her. Then she said, anoint me with oil. She said to me, I took the oil bottle and the Lord said, don't touch her. Don't anoint her with oil. And I said, what's wrong with her? The Lord said, she has sin in her life and she must repent. And so I looked at her. I said, do you have sin in your life? Something you need to make right with God? Oh, she got mad and she... She says, I came here for prayer. You should be praying for me. You don't want to pray for me. Fine, you know, whatever. She stormed, go back, went back to her seat. Anyway, after about, you know, I was praying with a lot of people. After about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, a man came up, weeping. He was also in the crowd. He came up, tears flowing down. I said, what is it, brother? He says, Pastor, my wife and I, we have four kids, and my wife has just left me. I said, what? What did you do? She said, nothing. One day she just woke up and said, I'm sick and tired of being married and having these children. I got married too early in life. I never lived my own life and I'm fed up. I'm leaving you, leaving the kids. You go. I'm just leaving. I'm going to live my own life. I said, how can anyone do that? It's a woman with four kids. She said, well, that's what she did. And then I said, is she here? He said, yes. I said, where is she? Point her out. And he said, well, she's sitting in that first section and she was the one who was crippled with arthritis. She came to, she came to you and for prayer and you tried to talk to her and she kind of went back to her seat He said, okay, fine. So I prayed for him and you know, he was weeping. I prayed for him. Anyway, the next day I found out where this lady lived. And the Lord told me, go to her place. So I went there, I took my oil bottle in my hand and I went to her place. I knocked on the door. She came to the door and I said, lady, I know what has happened. You left your husband and your four kids. And she said, you have nothing to do with this. None of your business. What I do has not." I said, lady, it is my business. I'm a servant of God. You came to me for prayer. Now I know why the Lord wouldn't let me pray for you. And I said, here's my oil bottle. I said, if you repent and make things right with your husband and your children, go back to them. Believe me, you are going to be healed. Because, you see, this thing had come upon her the moment she had left her family. This thing was like almost, you know, in a very short time, this thing had come. for. I said, God is going to heal you. Uh, But she... And, and the Holy Spirit came. I said, I have my old bottle with me. I came all the way here to pray for you. Just get on your knees, make things right, repent. That's it. And she just refused. And uh, I don't know what happened to her, but she was in pretty bad shape. But what I'm saying is that uh, I pray for people if the Holy Ghost tells me. And sometimes the Holy Ghost tells me not to pray for people. So you have to be open to the Holy Spirit. Then there are other times when the Holy Spirit has told me, pray for this person. And I I remember once I was sitting in in a taxi in Sri Lanka. I just got on, I just, I was waiting for a taxi. I got on the taxi and I had another brother with me and there was, and we shut the door and the window was open. And then this man comes up just before the taxi driver to go. I said, stop. And and, and he's begging money. And I said, and I'm trying to talk to him. And I said to the taxi driver, what's wrong? He said, he's deaf, mute. He's a beggar. I said, okay. So I put my hand out and the Lord told me, pray for this beggar. Pray for him. He didn't want prayer. He had no idea who I was. But the Lord told me, I put my fingers in my ears and I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you deaf and dumb devil, come out of him. Then I said the man, uh, stick your tongue out, stuck his tongue out. I put my finger on his tongue. I cursed that spirit. And immediately the man began to hear and he began to repeat what I said. Now that was because I obeyed God. So always obey God. Pray for people when they ask you to and when they ask you, you check where they are at and you minister to them. And then the other thing is that if they don't uh, ask you but the Lord showed you, then just be open to the flow of the Holy Spirit and minister to people. Well, we will continue more and uh, next tomorrow we'll talk about the eight different ways for people to receive divine healing or the eight different ways or the points of contact through which we minister healing to people. We're going to go going to go through those eight different methods of healing the sick. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace that is given to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us upon the cross, taking upon himself, all, yourself all our sins and our diseases. And by your stripes, we have been healed. Lord, I pray for every home, every Uh, Every place that uh, where this uh, video is being played, I ask you to bless every family, make every need they have, Father. Heal those that are sick in their homes and touch them and use them mightily for your glory in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you and we will see you again.